Well, shalom, everybody. Dr. Dina Dye here. And I think we're having some technical difficulties. And I've lost my partner in crime, Jeff Morton. Hopefully he'll be back online shortly. So we, uh, before we get started with tonight's episode, I wanted to, uh, I just want to mention again, Dr. Walton, John Walton is going to be joining us next week, February 22nd. That'll be at 8 p.m. And that show is going to be about 50 minutes. Generally, we're just doing a 30 minutes, but that one is going to be extended. Now, I've asked you all to send in your questions, and people are not responding. So I'm going to encourage you, you've got this week, to send me in questions that you'd like to ask Dr. Walton. Uh, We also encouraged you to read some of his books, um, The Lost World of Genesis 1, The Lost World of Adam and Eve, etc. Just so that you're familiar with with him, his style, and... uh, just how he approaches things. Jeff, you there? I think so. <laughs> my, um, my, uh, everything froze here on my end. So, but anyway, uh, I'm here and I'm glad to be here and welcome everybody. And hi, Dina. <laughs> hi, Jeff. You always, every week, you know, my heart is palpitating, <laughs> wondering if you are at the other end. <laughs> well, last week, folks, in case you, uh, you missed it, I was sitting here and all of a sudden we had an alarm go off in my home. So I had to kind of react. And this week, everything froze. So Dina's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a coin toss for me every week. <laughs> anyway, we're well, here and I yeah. heard you talking about John Walton. I'm excited about having him. He's all confirmed. Everything's ready to go. And uh, really looking forward to spending the time listening to what he has to say. So I hope you guys can join us next week. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, just uh, I'll just quickly mention, you know, my website's Foundations in Torah. That, you know, just Google Foundations in Torah. You'll get there. Uh, but I want to emphasize our uh website returning to eden because we have all the podcasts archived there jeff you want to talk about that yeah so what happens is once i receive the raw uh unedited version of the program which it it comes to me with just the audio the voices i add the music and do a few things i seem like i got an echo here uh, on my end but uh then i go ahead and put it into a mp3 format and post it on our podcast which is at Podomatic, just type in Returning to Eden at Podomatic and you can go there, or you can just go to my website, jeffsmorton.com, click on the uh, tab that says Returning to Eden, it opens up. Virtually everything that we accomplish per show is on that page, so you're welcome to go there. I'm constantly getting people saying, I don't know how to find your show. Obviously, you have to go to Messianic Lamb, and when you do, consider supporting what they're doing, because they're they're really helping us out quite a bit as well. So, uh, and they need support. It costs money to do all of this, but uh, just go to Messianic Lamb Radio every Wednesday night and six o'clock. You're going to hear us talking, uh, if nothing else. But the archive shows jeffsmorton.com. There's links that'll take you right to our podcast page, and you can hear everything that we're doing. Uh, the edited version. We add the music back in and the whole nine yards, and uh, you can download it. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, because that's where it is, and you'll you'll find every show we've done so far is already posted there, and we really do appreciate. You know, I want to say thank you to all the listeners that do uh, uh, download the uh, information on our podcast. Several of you have. We're doing pretty good. We got some pretty good numbers over there, and I'm I'm real happy to see 
the participation. Sometimes Dean and I don't know who's listening and what's going on out there in the audience, but by the numbers that I'm seeing on the podcast, uh, you know, we've got quite a few people that are following us and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Well, great. Yeah. And um, now you mentioned to me, I just got home from Florida this afternoon, so I'm, I'm adjusting to the cool temperatures, but you mentioned that you had a great quote to start out the show. So uh, it's from Dr. John Walton. Why don't you go ahead and share that? Well, you have to keep in mind that I don't see this whole thing, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll understand this, folks. I don't see this whole thing as a religious revelation. I see it as a kingdom revelation. And John Walton wrote in his book, uh, The Lost World of Genesis, I wrote it down. It's, it just grabbed me because he says what I, what I feel, and he writes, in days four to six, the functionaries of the cosmos are installed in their appropriate positions and given their appropriate role. Using the company analogy, they are assigned their offices or cubicles, told to whom they will report, and thus given an idea of their place in the company. Their workday is determined by the clock and they are expected to be productive. Foremen have been put in place and the plant is now ready for operation. But before the company is ready to operate, the owner is going to arrive and move into his office. And if we can just for a moment, I so appreciate this. This is on page 70 of his book. I appreciate this because when you when you relax the emotion of loving and following our God and then realize the responsibility and the obligation, each one of us has a role to play in what the owner of the company is doing. And I just thought that was the best way or a great analogy as to how we are actively born into creation for a purpose. And that's kind of what I wanted to allude to is at, the, at the beginning of the show, Dina. And, and that's really, it is a great quote. It's a great way to start, too, because we've been talking about this concept of function versus emotion, feeling, because uh, it, our faith in Christian terms has really become very subjective. This kind of puts it back into the objective box. So um, I hope there's some profit sharing going on. In the <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the things I, you know, people are, we've been talking about temple language and I guess sometimes you sort of big, you think that people understand what you're talking about. And we had quite a few emails. They wanted us to explain that in more detail. And I thought one of the best ways to approach this was if we look at computer language. So, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't have most of this or just the super geeks. But, you know, computer, it's it's its own language, it has its own glossary, its own terms, it has its own set of principles. And, you know, I don't, it wasn't that many years ago where a bite was actually an insect bite, you know, mm-hmm. or a virus was an actual virus. I mean, just think of all the terminology that's connected with computers that is its own language that doesn't really make any sense. And, and like I said, 30 years ago, nobody would have known what you're talking about. You think about uploading and downloading and, you know, software, hyperlinks, you know, operating systems, etc. So the temple really is similar to that. It's, it really isn't any different. It has its own glossary. Uh, it has its own language. It has its own purpose, its own function. And so it's a lofty goal, but we, I think if we're going to uncover a lot of the meaning in Scripture, we're going to have to learn the language and this and we'll talk about some of that 
And I know you probably have something to share along those lines. Well, what I want the information that we're talking about, it's not readily available. It's hard to find. Um, so I, I actually called up my friend Daniel McGurr and I said, Can you recommend some material that I can go check out? And he he told me, Dina, am I echoing? I can hear an echo in my voice. No, you're fine. Okay, good. Uh, he he gave me the name of a rabbi whose name is Jacob Milgram, and I've ordered a book, uh, The Commentaries of Leviticus, uh-huh. uh, because this whole concept of learning the language, we're not just talking about the Hebrew temple, we're talking about the ancient world and how they related to the temple, whether it was the Hittites, Arcadian, uh, Israel, uh, the, everything function, all the functioning of their communities was around the temple, and they had symbolic language that they would use to describe activities in the temple or the temple itself. Words like garden and trees and field and high mountain. Those words, whenever you heard Moses talking about that, if you were sitting in a symposium and Moses started talking, and he started talking about the mountain and the gardens and the trees in the field, Everybody in the symposium sitting in the audience would have known that he was talking about a temple. And we really are trying to, Dean and I, get that point across because that language is literally how much of Genesis is written, certainly the first four chapters. Dina, you want to pick it up there? Yeah, I, you know, I, when I used to go around teaching, I and I kind of picked this up from my good friend, Joe Good, because he would say, you know, if you're thinking about temple language and scripture, maybe you're looking at 90, 93%. So I, I picked that up, but I realized it's actually 100%. <laughs> and Joe agrees with me now. But, you know, I know people will accuse me, for instance, of, of okay, that's your filter. You know, that's what you use. That's your filter. You see everything in temple terms. But the reality is it is in temple terms. Um, again, has its own language. But the, the, the ancient Near East world was structured around their temple. Their temples controlled everything. It was their judicial uh, center. It was their economic center, uh, their administrative center. They everything functioned around the temple in the ancient world. And so, again, we're not used to that because our world is not the world of temples. One of the things we have to recognize as well, the the first chapter of Genesis, when we talk about the creation, that actually creation and temple are synonymous terms. And what's interesting in Genesis 1 is we see the, the building of a temple and it's using architectural terms. One of the main architectural terms, if, if you study some of these scholars and, and you read some of the extra biblical literature, is the concept of wisdom. So wisdom is, you know, we know wisdom builds her house from Proverbs, but that's an architectural term on how a temple is built. So Genesis chapter 1 lays out the architecture, if you will. And then when we move in, the house is done, we move into Genesis 2 and 3, and now we move into agriculture. And really the rest of the Bible is dealing with agriculture. So agriculture and the temple become synonymous. And the, the key about agriculture is what is, it's all about seed. And seed bears the image of the previous generation. So this image bearing element of Adam, etc., has to do with the agriculture. And of course he, he is gardener in chief you know, in, in the picture of, of what our God is. So 
it's it's fascinating when you you recognize that that's how the ancients looked at these things, and it's very foreign to us. Well, the same thing when you if you look at it from kind of a, just a peripheral look, you see that the very first thing that the father does is place Adam into a garden. The very first thing that he does with Noah is place him into a, a sanctuary, an ark. The very st- first thing that he asks Moses to do is build a temple because that is the foundation of everything that happens next. And that's kind of what we're trying to say. So when I'm reading the Bible now, I can see bits and pieces of the language spelling out that I know that I'm talking about a temple or or Moses is referencing temple activity because I see the language. It's not a good example is in the book of Job, the very first four or five chapters. When he talks, he's talking about Job had this and Job had that and he had sons and he had daughters. But but the analogies are the exact same. The numbers are very the same. So I know now that he's talking about a temple. He's referencing Job being somehow responsible for a temple activity. That's a that that's jumping way ahead of where Dean and I want to go. But I'm beginning to see the language. It's kind of like your kids' text messaging. They have their own language. Well, when Moses is talking about Genesis one, two three and four, he's using the language of the temple. So we know that the activity is about the construction of a temple, the elevation of a high priest and all the requirements that were designed. And you have to go to Leviticus and and, and follow all of that stuff, which is why Daniel, I think, recommended Rabbi, um, blessed memory, Rabbi Milgram. uh, Jacob Milgram. So I'm going to dig into his book. And he said you knew a little bit about him, Dina. Yeah, I have I have several of his books, so that that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a can of worms we're not going to open right now. Okay. Uh, great stuff, though. I I would highly recommend it. So the the concept of temple has everything to do with image bearing. So I tell people, you know, if God dwelled in our world uh, and He had a body, it would look like the temple. The temple resembles what He looks like. So the more we study it, the more we're going to know him, how, and in particular, how he functions, because the temple is a place of function. So this is all sort of image-bearing language, that the temple bears his image in this world. And of course, you know, I I don't tend to talk uh, so much about the sort of structural, architectural aspects of the, uh, the building itself. I tend to uh, look at the sort of more mystical elements of it. That's just kind of my shtick. But uh, this emphasis on image bearing is critical. And of course, that takes us back to the seed, which takes us back to the garden. So when we have all those um, activities, you know, sowing and reaping and planting and pruning and harvesting, that in a sense is is uh, what we might call recreation language. So creation Creation didn't end, you know, on the seventh day, and that's it. We're done. Uh, Creation is constantly in process. Things are being recreated from the seed. And so um, all of this, the gardens in in the ancient world and the ziggurats in the the complex and all the chambers, etc., was all patterned initially after the cosmos, but in man's realm, was was a garden, which of course Adam and we talked about Adam 
was placed in the garden to to guard and to serve and these were all you know gardening terms as well cultivate if you will well um nathan just got back he's a friend of mine he's a very good friend of mine just got back from israel but while he was in israel he mentioned to me about the whole garden concept uh he was over there planting and working with high which i highly recommend uh but he mentioned that if we look at the garden itself, all of the ancient kingdoms, the kings had gardens. And they, right. what they would do is they would transfer, uh, when they conquered something, they would take the shrubbery, the bushes, whatever was indigenous to the land, and they would plant it around the palace or the kingdom. We see a lot of the same thing. Dina, you and I talked about it. I could hardly breathe calling you on the phone. But yeah. we see the same kind of thing that the kings of England did. They all have... All of these dukes and, and earls and whatnot in England have all these fancy gardens. That all comes from this whole concept that there's a garden planet to show the authority of that particular king. And we see no difference in the palace that the Lord put in the earth that he placed Adam in. It's the same thing. And when you start going back to this stuff, and that's why it's real important for you folks to follow us along because... You're not going to grab this stuff in a soundbite. You have to follow us. But the bottom line is, is we're seeing a pattern of how the creator has done everything. We're emulating it without the understanding. And what Dean and I are trying to do and so many others are getting us back to the understanding of the kingdom of God being birthed into the earth. Dina, go ahead. Yeah, well, we can consider the temple really is the cosmos in miniature, and the garden is really the cosmic temple in miniature. So everything goes back to the to the origin. And and that is the message all the way through the Bible from creation to revelation. Really, it's virtually impossible, I think, to understand the book of Revelation without this foundation. Because so much of the book, uh, especially there's a lot of garden language, a lot of pointing back to the Garden of Eden, because it was seen... That original temple was the one that was seen as perfection. And uh, in the second temple period, we have the Qumran community was, uh, you know, up to here. <laughs> and I'm holding my hand high with the mess, you know, that was in the temple. And they just wanted to get out of Dodge and start fresh. And so their whole thing was the recreation of the garden temple. Um, and, and we have, we just, we have so much of this language in the Bible that we just, kind of ignore so talking about green pastures was a was an idiom then for really the holy the holy of holies inside the temple and of course we know the threshing floor there's another that's a garden pattern and we know david purchased the threshing floor which was the, the site of the first temple right. um and within the threshing floor, you would have a granary or a storehouse or a barn, whatever you want to call it. And it generally was representing the Holy of Holies. Then you had vineyards. Vineyards, again, were, was temple language. And then the tower, the watchtower in the vineyard pointed to the Holy of Holies as well. And we got fields and forests and all this stuff. And then Yeshua, the reason he speaks in parables, it's garden language, it's recreation language trying to, to show us the kingdom and of course everything's compared to seeds and you know all this other stuff uh it's just it when you when you capture it you know it'll cha it transform the way you read the bible and one of the reasons why i want john walton professor walton to come up is because he delineates a lot of this information 
so that it becomes practical. And when you start hearing what he's saying, he's he's literally dismantling the concepts we have about words. Right. He's showing you function and purpose as opposed to uh, material stuff. And how it's all about what it's like that you build a house for a purpose and you add things into it so that it functions properly. That's not a man-made concept. That's a God concept. And that's what he's doing. And so when we start talking about all of these things and going back to this language and these understandings, does it radically change the Torah? Does it radically change the concepts that we have about what Moses is communicating? Yes, but in a good way. Yeah. Because it helps us to understand better how the kingdom of God is still being constructed all around us and that the owner has yet to come back and take authority over what he is building. It's really yeah, that and, simple. And, the you know, you build a house, uh, I don't want to say spiritually, but when a ho- every house is built through a husband and a wife coming together and producing life. So this, the seed, the concept of the seed is essential for house building. And it, it, it's the, you know, the, the first commandment that we have was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, you have to, you do that with seed and seed becomes fruit. And, and then the fruit is the seed for the next generation and just perpetuates. So we see that in uh, the garden language, but we see that in the family. And all of that is what I've talked about earlier is recreation activity. And so ultimately Yeshua came to restore creation and where the this the image that the seed born was hit in his image instead of the the image that had been destroyed, if you will. So it behooves us to learn as much as we can about the temple since it's dealing with all these things. And and really, I mean, you can't if you were reading John uh, the book of John, you, you can't get through a chapter without reading temple language. Yeshua, of course, is going to the temple just about every chapter for a festival. So all the festivals and the ceremonies and the offerings and the liturgy and the furniture and everything takes us back and to that point and, and everything has a, a profound symbolic meaning that is talking about the restoration of all things. It's, it's really quite remarkable. Well, you know, something just trampled across my brain while you were speaking. When we mentioned the seed, if we look at the patterns if we understand that once the temple was desecrated, the, the Israel had to move out. They got thrown out of the land. Once the garden was desecrated, Adam and Eve got thrown out of the palace. So the, it's the same pattern. But I want to go back to something you said about the seed, because when we look at the pattern, you see a child is conceived, and then he is born, he or she is born, and then they grow up learning how to be a participant in the society and they have to become a worker and they have to provide and they have to produce and they have to have a function or a purpose. That's still part of the same pattern of, yeah. of why we're all here. We it's are not here language. randomly. That's exactly right. We're not here yeah. Yeah. because of a random choice. We're here because we're following the pattern and the principle of how the temple literally brings forth life. And then that, we are to produce. I mean, that's I, I wrote about that in my first book, The Temple Revealed in Creation. Right. And now I'm working on the second one, The Temple Revealed in the Garden. 
and I'm trying to rewrite the garden story with this type of information. Now it's, it's in a fictional form, but explaining, you know, we have a lot of gaps in the narrative there. When you read uh, Genesis chapter two, there's not a whole lot of information. So I'm trying to fill in the gaps with what I'm learning about what all of this means and to try to fill in with the, with how the temple would, would function in that way. Um, Hopefully it will open some doors and people, you know, will really begin to understand the temple in the, in this way. But, you, you know, you just can't, there's not one page in the Bible that doesn't have some kind of reference to the temple. Now, ultimately, the temple was the place for the presence of God. And right. ultimately, all of us want to be in that place, in his presence. And I know we're running out of time. And I know there's people frustrated this is only 30 minutes, but it is. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure... I've got to read this uh, quote that my uh, friend Nathan, um, he posted today in our little chat, and I'm like, it's perfect. So let me just read this, and we can kind of wind it down here. But this is from uh, another rock star scholar, N.T. Wright. He's a British scholar. The guy's brilliance, written, I don't know, 50 books or something. And I think he teaches at St. Andrews in Scotland. But anyways, he said, the giving of Torah was just preparation. What matters is the tabernacle. We should thank God for the many studies of tabernacle and temple theology now available, and we should repent for the Protestant ignoring of that strand of scripture. I'm like, hallelujah, I love this mm. guy. <laughs> wow. Right yeah. up my alley. The thing that, um, and I encourage you to have, you know, we're not asking you to agree with Professor Walton. But listen to what he has to offer. And if you can manage a paradigm shift in your own thinking, realize that this isn't a religious experience. This is a kingdom experience, and the king is coming. And so next week, for next week's show, I hope you invite somebody to listen and to tune in um, and, and just kind of uh, give your if – the, if, if I always say this. If the Father is returning us – restoring us, then he has to get us out of where we are. And sometimes it means we have to challenge what we think and how we've been taught to understand what he's doing. And that's why we, Dean and I, come. we want to do a half-hour show. There's reasons why we want to do a half-hour show. But that's why we're here every week is because we're part of that restoration back to the literal word of, of the God of creation and what he's doing. Dean, I'll let you close out the show. We got a couple minutes. Yeah, I get, and I this is another quote from uh, Genesis Rabbah. Now that Genesis Rabbah is basically what is a collection of midrashim uh, from the rabbis, written about the, probably the sixth century of the Common Era. But um, it says at the level of divinity, the house symbolizes the purpose of all reality to become a dwelling place below for the manifestation of God's presence. Not as Abraham, who called the temple a mountain, nor as Isaac, who called it a field, but as Jacob, who called it a house. I I think that's that pretty well sums it up. So these terms, of course, mountain and field are all referring to the temple once again. So we see it in in everything and everywhere. So we're hoping that you'll as you read the Bible now, you'll have different eyes and eyes to see this type of language. Obviously, it takes a lot of years to be able to really recognize 
the the details in it. But um, hopefully, we're we're giving you a foundation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I just appreciate all the, the our listeners. And we're our goal is to that you will grow and understand the Bible in a way that you never have before. And like Jeff keeps saying, this is not about religion and theology and doctrines. It's just this is about the world that the Bible was written in. So. Uh, shalom, shalom to everybody, and please send me uh, questions for next week. Jeff? And just real quickly, folks, imagine if in a moment you lost your house, your life would be in chaos. If five minutes from now you lost your home, your life would be in chaos. That gives you back, gets you back to what we're trying to say about the temple. The temple was a centerpiece of the activity of a family. So God bless you guys. We will see you next week. Join us for Dr. Walton. Looking forward to that. Shalom, shalom. We're out of here. Bye-bye. Bye.